Hi, this is China Audible. It's going to be coming from Hidden Americans. Today we are going to read part one of The Panoptopican is already here. This is from The Atlantic by Ross Anderson. And this is going to be a two-part series. I'm going to read the first half, do some analysis, and then there'll be a second half that should be up soon. But let's just dive in. The Panatopkin is already here. Xi Jinping is using artificial intelligence to enhance his government's totalitarian control, and he's exporting this technology to regimes around the globe. By Ross Anderson at The Atlantic. Northwest of Beijing's Forbidden City, outside the Third Ring Road, the Chinese Academy of Scientists has spent seven decades building a campus of national laboratories. Near its center is the Institute of Automation, a sleek, silvery, silverly blue building surrounded by camera-strutted poles. The Institute is a basic research facility. Its computer scientists inquire into artificial intelligence's fundamental mysteries. Their more practical innovations, iris recognition, cloud-based speech synthesis, are spun off to Chinese tech giants. AI startups, and in some cases, the People Liberation Army. I visited the Institute on a rainy morning in the summer of 2019. China's best and brightest were still shuffling in post-commute. Dressed casually in basketball shorts or yoga pants, AirPods nestled in their ears. In my pocket, I had a burner phone. In my backpack, a computer wiped free of data. Standard precautions for Western jur journalists in, in China. To visit China on a sensitive business is to risk being barraged with cyber attacks and malware. In 2019, Belgian officials on a trade mission noticed that their mobile data were being intercepted by pop-up antennas outside their Beijing hotel. After clearing the institute's security, I was told to wait in a lobby monitored by cameras. On its walls were posters of China's most consequential post-war leaders. Mao Zedong loomed large in his characteristic four-pocket suit. He looked serene, as though satisfied with having freed China from the Western yoke. Next to him was a fuzzy black and white shot of Deng Xinping visiting the institute in his later years. After his economic reforms had set China on a course to reclaiming its traditional global role as a great power. The lobby's most prominent poster depicted Xi Jinping in a crisp black suit. China's current president and the general secretary of its Communist Party has taken a keen interest in the institute. Its work is part of a grand AI strategy that Xi has laid out in a series of speeches akin to those John F. Kennedy used to train America's techno-scientific sites on the moon. Xi has said that he wants China by the year's end to be competitive with the world's AI leaders, a benchmark the country has arguably already reached, and he wants China to achieve AI supremacy by 2030. Xi's pronouncements on AI have a sinister edge. Artificial intelligence has applications in nearly every human domain, from the instant translation of spoken language to early viral outbreak detection. But Xi also wants to use AI's awesome analytical powers to push China to the cutting edge of surveillance. He wants to build an all-seeing digital system of social control, 
patrolled by precog algorithms that identify potential dissenters in real time. China's government has a history of using major historical events to introduce and embed surveillance measures. In the run-up to the 2008 Olympics in Beijing, China's security services achieved a new level of control over the country's internet. During China's coronavirus outbreak, Xi's government leaned hard on private companies in possession of sensitive personal data. Any emergency data sharing arrangements made behind closed doors during the pandemic could become permanent. China already has hundreds of millions of surveillance cameras in place. Xi's government hopes to soon achieve full video coverage of key public areas. Much of the footage collected by China's cameras and parsed by algorithms for security threats of one kind or another. In the near future, every person who enters a public space could be identified instantly by AI matching them to an ocean of personal data, including their every text communication, their body's one-of-a-kind protein construction schema. In time, algorithms will be able to string together data points from a broad range of sources, travel records, friends and associates, reading habits, purchases, to predict political resistance before it happens. China's government could soon achieve an unprecedented political stranglehold on more than 1 billion people. Xi wants to use artificial intelligence to build a digital system of social control, patrolled by precog algorithms that identify dissenters in real time. Early on in the coronavirus outbreak, China's citizens were subjected to a form of risk scoring. An algorithm assigned people a color code, green, yellow, or red. That determined their ability to take transit or enter buildings in China's megacities. In a sophisticated digital system of social control, codes like these could be used to score personal's perceived political pliancy as well. A crude version of such a system is already in operation in China's northwestern territory of Xijing where more than 1 million Muslim Uyghurs have been imprisoned, the largest internment of an ethnic religious minority since the fall of the Third Reich. Once Xi perfects his system in Jijing, no technological limitations will prevent him from extending AI surveillance across China. He could also export it beyond the country's borders, entrenching the power of a whole generation of autocrats. China has recently embarked on a number of ambitious infrastructure projects abroad. Megacity construction, high-speed rail networks, not to mention the country's much-vaulted Belt and Road Initiative. But these won't reshape history like China's digital infrastructure, which could shift the power balance between the individual and the state worldwide. American policymakers from across the political spectrum are concerned about this scenario. Michael Krasios, the former Peter Thiel acolyte whom Donald Trump picked to be the U.S. government's chief technology officer, told me that technological leadership from Democratic nations has, quote, never been more more imperative, and that if we want to make sure that Western values are baked into technologies of the future, we need to make sure we're leading in those technologies. Despite China's considerable strides, 
industry analysis expect America to retain its current AI lead for another decade at least. But this is cold comfort. China is already developing powerful new surveillance tools and exporting them to dozens of the world's actual and would-be autocracies. Over the next few years, those technologies will be refined and integrated into all-encompassing surveillance systems that dictators can plug and play. The emergence of an AI-powered authoritarian bloc led by China could wrap the geopolitics of the century. It could prevent billions of people across a large swaths of the globe from ever securing any measure of political freedom. And whatever the pretensions of American policymakers, only China citizens can stop it. I'd come to Beijing to look for some sign that they might. This techno-political moment has been long in the making. China has spent all but a few centuries of its 5,000-year history at the vanguard of information technology. Along with summer and meso summer and mesoamerica it was one of three places where writing was independently invented allowing information to be stored outside the human brain in the second century a.d the chinese invented paper this cheap bindable information storage technology allowed data the silk road trade records military communications correspondence among elites to crisscross the empire on horses bred for speed by nomads beyond the Great Wall. Data began to circulate even faster a few centuries later when Tang, when the Tang Dynasty artisans perfected woodblock printing, a mass information technology that helped administer a huge and growing state. As rulers of some of the world's largest complex social organizations, Ancient Chinese emperors well understood the relationship between information flows and power, and the value of surveillance. During the 11th century, a Song Dynasty emperor realized that Chinese elegant walled cities had become too numerous to be monitored from Beijing, so he deputized locals to police them. A few decades before the digital era's dawn, Qing Kai-shek made use of this self-policing tradition asking citizens to watch for dissidents in their midst so that communist rebellions could be stamped out in their infancy. When Mao took over, he arranged cities into grids, making each square its own work unit, where local spies kept, quote-unquote, sharp eyes out for revolutionary behavior, no matter how trivial. During the initial coronavirus outbreak, Chinese social media apps prompted hotlines where people could report those suspected of hiding symptoms. Xi has appropriated the phrase sharp eyes with all its historical resonance as his chosen name for the AI-powered surveillance cameras that will soon span China. With AI, Xi can build history's most oppressive authoritarian apparatus without the manpower Mao needed to keep information about dissent flowing to a single centralized node. In China's most prominent AI startups, since time, Cloudwalk, Meiji, Hikivision, iFlick, Mayo, Pico, Xi has found a willing commercial partners. And in Xi Jinping's, or Xi Jinping's Muslim minority, he has found his test population. The Chinese Communist Party has long been suspicious of religion, and not just as a result of Marxist influence. Only a century and a half ago, yesterday, 
in the memory of a 5,000-year-old civilization, Hong Quan, a quasi-Christian mystic converted by Western missionary missionaries, launched the Taiping Rebellion, an apocalyptic 14-year campaign that may have killed more people than in the First World War. Today, in China's single-party political system, religion is an alternate source of ultimate authority which means it must be co-opted or destroyed. By 2009, by 2009, China's Uyghurs had become wary after decades of discrimination and land confiscation. They launched mass protests and spattering of suicide attacks against Chinese police. In 2004, Xi cracked down directing Xi Jinping's provincial government to destroy mosques and reduce the Uyghur neighborhoods to rubble. More than one million Uyghurs were disappeared into concentration camps. Many were tortured and made to perform slave labor. Uyghurs who were sparred the camps now make up the most intensely surveilled population on earth. Not all of the surveillance is digital. The Chinese government has moved thousands of Han Chinese, quote, big brothers and sisters, unquote, into homes in Xijing's ancient Silk Road cities to monitor Uyghurs' forced assimilation to mainstream Chinese culture. They eat meals with the family, and some big brothers sleep in the same bed as the wives of detained Uyghur men. Meanwhile, AI-powered sensors lurk everywhere, including in Uyghurs' purses and pant pockets, According to the anthropologist Darren Byler, some Uyghurs buried their mobile phones containing Islamic materials or even froze their data cards into dumplings for safekeeping. When G's campaign of cultural er erasure reached full tilt, but police have since forced them to install many apps on their new phones. The apps use algorithms to hunt for ideological viruses day and night. They can scan chat logs for Quran verses and look for Arabic script and memes and other image files. Uyghurs can't use the usual workarounds. Installing a VPN would likely invite an investigation, so they can't download a WhatsApp or any other prohibited encrypted chat software. Purchasing prayer rugs online, storing digital copies of Muslim books, and downloading sermons from a favorable imam are all risky activities if a uyghur were to use wechat's payment system to make donations to a mosque authorities might take note the nanny apps work in tandem with the police who spot check phones at checkpoints scrolling through recent calls and texts even an innocent digital association being in a group text with a recent mosque attendee for instance could result in detention Staying off social media altogether is no solution because digital inactivity itself can raise suspicion. The police are required to note when Uyghurs deviate from any of their normal behavior patterns. Their database wants to know if Uyghurs start leaving their home through the back door instead of the front. It wants to know if they spend less time talking to neighbors than they used to. Electricity Use is monitored by algorithms for unusual use, which could indicate an unregistered resident. 
Uyghurs can travel only a few blocks before encountering a checkpoint outfitted with one of Xi Jinping's hundreds of thousands of surveillance cameras. Footage from the cameras is processed by algorithms that match face with snapshots taken by police at quote-unquote health checks. At these checks, police extract all the data they can from Uyghurs' bodies. They measure height and take a blood sample. They record voices and swab DNA. Some Uyghurs have been forced to participate in experiments that mine genetic data to see how DNA produces distinctly Uyghur-like chins and ears. Police will likely use the pandemic as pretext to take still more data from Uyghur bodies. Uyghur women are also made to endure pregnancy checks. Some are forced to have abortions or get an IUD inserted. Others are sterilized by the state. Police are known to rip unauthorized children away from their parents, who are then detained. Such measures have reduced the birth rate in some regions of Xinjiang more than 60% in three years. When Uyghurs reach the edge of their neighborhood, an automated system takes note. The same system tracks them as they move through smaller checkpoints at banks, parks, and schools. When they bump when they pump gas, the system can determine whether they are the car's owner. At the city's perimeter, they're forced to exit their cars so their face and ID cards can be scanned again. The lucky Uyghurs, who are also able to travel abroad, many have had their passports confiscated, are advised to return quickly. If they do not, police interrogate- interrogators are dispatched to the doorstep of their relatives and friends. Not that going abroad is any kind of escape, and a chilling glimpse of just how a future authoritarian bloc might function. Xi's strongman allies, even those in Muslim-majority countries such as Egypt, have been more than happy to arrest and deport Uyghurs back to the open-air prison that is Xi Jinping. Xi seems to have used Xi Jinping as a laboratory to fine-tune the sensory and analytic powers of this new digital panopticon before expanding its reach across the mainland. CETC, the state-owned company that built much of Xi Jinping's surveillance system, now boasts of pilot projects in Xi Wujing, Guzgong, and Shenzhen. These are meant to lay a robust foundation for a nationwide rollout, according to the company, and they, are rep- they represent only one piece of China's coalescing mega-network of human monitoring technology. China is an ideal setting for an experiment in total surveillance. Its population is extremely online. The country is home to more than 1 billion mobile phones, all chock full of sophisticated sensors. Each one logs search and engine queries, websites visited, and mobile payments, which are ubiquitous. When I used a chip-based credit card to buy coffee in Beijing's hip Sanlitun neighborhood, people glared as if I'd written a check. All these data points can be timestamped and geotagged. And because of new regulation requires telecom firms to scan the face of anyone who signs up for cell phone services, the phone's data can now be attached to a specific person's face. Since time, which helped build Jijing's surveillance state, recently bragged that its software can identify people wearing masks. Another company, Hang Wang, 
claims that its facial recognition technology can recognize mass wares 95% of the time. China's personal data harvest even reaps from citizens who lack phones. Out in the countryside, villagers line up to have their faces scanned from multiple angles by private firms in exchange for cookware. Until recently, it was difficult to imagine how China could integrate all of these data into a single surveillance system, but no longer. In 2018, a cybersecurity activist hacked into a facial recognition system that appeared to be connected to the government and was synthesizing a surprising combination of data streams. The system was capable of detecting Uyghurs by their ethnic features, and it could tell whether people's eyes or mouths were open, whether they were smiling, whether they had a beard, and whether they were wearing sunglasses. It logged the date, time, and serial numbers, all traceable to individual users of Wi-Fi-enabled phones that passed within its reach. It was hosted by Alibaba and made references to City Brain, an AI-powered software platform that China's government has tasked the company with building. City Brain is, as the name suggests, a kind of automated nerve center, a capable of synthesizing data streams from a multitude of sensors and distributed throughout an urban environment. Many of its proposed uses are benign, technocratic functions. Its algorithms could, for instance, count people in cars to help with red light timing and subway line planning. Data from sensor-laden trashes cans could make waste pickup more timely and efficient, but CityBrain and its successor technologies will also enable new forms of integrated surveillance. Some of these will enjoy broad public support. CityBrain could be trained to spot lost children or luggage abandoned by tourists or terrorists it could flag looters or homeless people or rioters anyone in any kind of danger could summon help by waving a hand in a distinctive way that could be instantly recognized by an ever vigilant computer vision earpiece wearing police could be directed to the scene by ai voice assistant city brain would be especially useful in a pandemic one of Alibaba's sister companies created the app that color-coded citizen disease, disease risk while silently sending their health and travel data to police. As Beijing's outbreak spread, some malls and restaurants in the city began scanning potential customers' phones, pulling data from mobile carriers to see whether they'd recently traveled. Mobile carriers also sent municipal governments lists of people who had come to their city from Wuhan where the coronavirus was first detected. And Chinese AI companies began making network facial recognition helmets for police with built-in infrared fever detectors capable of sending data to the government. CityBrain could automate these processes or integrate its data streams. Even China's most complex AI systems are still brittle. CityBrain hasn't yet fully integrated with its range of surveillance capabilities, and its ancestors systems have suffered some embarrassing performance issues. In 2018, one of the government's AI-powered cameras mistook a face on the side of a city bus for a jaywalker. One of the software, but the software is getting better and there's no technical reason it can't be implemented on a mass scale. The data streams that could be fed into a city brain-like system are essentially unlimited. 
In addition to footage from the 1.9 million facial recognition cameras that the Chinese telecom firm China Tower is installing in cooperation with SenseTime, CityBrain can absorb feeds from cameras fastened to lampposts, hanging above street corners. It could make use of the cameras that Chinese police hide in traffic cones and those strapped to officers, both uniformed and plain clothes. The state could force retailers to provide data from in-store cameras, which can now detect the direction of your gaze across a shelf, and which could soon around could soon see around corners by reading shadows. Precious little public space would be unwatched. America's police departments have began to avail themselves of footage from Amazon's home security cameras, and they're more innocent application these cameras adorn doorbells but many are also aimed at neighbors houses china's government could harvest footage from an equivalent chinese products they could tap the cameras attached to rideshare cars or the self-driving vehicles that may soon replace them automated vehicles will be covered in a whole host of sensors including some that will take in information much richer and than 2D videos. Data from a massive fleet of them could be stitched together and supplemented by other city brain streams to produce a 3D model of the city that's updated second by second. Each refresh could log every human's location within the model. Such a system would make unidentified faces a priority, perhaps by sending drone swarms to secure a positive ID. The model's data could be time-synced to audio from any network with device with a microphone, including smart speakers, smartwatches, and less obvious Internet of Things devices like smart mattresses, smart diapers, and smart sex toys. All of these sources could coalesce into a multi-track location-specific audio mix that could be parsed by polyglot algorithms and capable of interpreting words spoken in thousands of tongues. This mix would be useful to security services, especially in places without cameras. China's iFly Tech is perfecting a technology that can recognize individuals by their voice print. In the decades to come, City Brain or its successor systems may even be able to read unspoken thoughts. Drones can... Drones can already be controlled by helmets and that sense and transmit neural signals and researchers are now designing brain computer interfaces that will go well beyond autofill to allow you to type just by thinking. An authoritarian state with enough processing power could force the makers of such software to feed every blip of a citizen's neural activity into a government's database. China has recently been pushing citizens to download and use a propaganda app. The government could use emotion tracking software to monitor reactions to political stimulus within an app. A silent suppressed response to a meme or a clip from Xi's speech could be a meaningful data point to a precog algorithm. All of these time-synced feeds of on-the-ground data could be supplemented by footage from drones whose gigapixel cameras can record whole cityscapes in the kind of crystalline detail that allows for license plate recording and gate recognition. 
quote, spy bird, unquote, drones already swoop and circle above Chinese city. Disguised as doves, city brains feed could be synthesized with data from systems in other urban areas to form a multi-dimensional real-time account of nearly all human activity within China. Server farms across China will soon be able to hold multiple angles of high-definition footage of every moment of every Chinese person's life. Quote, I tell my students that I hope none of them will be involved in killer robots. They have a very short time on Earth. There are many other things that they could be doing with their future, unquote. It's important to stress that systems of this scope are still in development. Most of China's personal data is not yet integrated together, even within individual companies. Nor does China's government have a one-stop data repository, in part because of turf wars between agencies. But there are no hard political barriers for the in- integration of all these data, especially for the security state's use. To the contrary, private firms are required by formal statutes to assist in China's intelligence services. The government might soon have a rich auto-populating data profile for all of its 1 billion plus citizens. Each profile would be would compromise millions of data points, including the person's every appearance in surveillance space, as well as her communications and purchases. Her threat risk to the party's power could constantly be updated in real time with a more granular score than those used in China's pilot social credit schemes, which already aim to give every citizen a public social representation reputation score based on things like social media connections and buying habits. Algorithms can monitor her digital data score along with everyone else's continuously without ever feeling the fatigue that hits Stasi officers working the late shift. False positives deeming someone a threat for innocuous behavior would be encouraged in order to boost the system's built-in chilling effects so that she'd turn her sharp eyes on her own False positives deeming someone a threat for innocuous behavior would be encouraged in order to boost the system's built-in chilling effects so that she'd turn her sharp eyes on her own behavior to avoid the slightest appearance of dissent. If her risking factor fluctuated upward, whether due to some suspicious pattern in her movements, her social associations, her insufficient attention to pro- to a propaganda consumption app or some correlation known only by the AI, a purely automated system, could limit her movement. It could prevent her from purchasing plane or train tickets. It could disallow passage through checkpoints. It could remotely co- commandeer, quote-unquote, smart locks in public or private spaces to confine her until security forces arrived. So that's the end of part one. And again... This is an article from Ross Anderson in the Atlantic. The Panopticon is already here. Xi Jinping is using artificial intelligence to enhance his government's totalitarian control, and he's exporting this technology to regimes around the world. Uh, The reason that I have started this uh, endeavor of, you know, kind of China Audible, as I'm going to start off calling it, and highlighting uh, the things that the Communist China Party is is doing and, and what's happening to the Uyghurs is because, um, 
this is the uh, biggest and most significant ethnic cleansing uh, that's happened uh, since World War II, since since the Nazis, and the type of regimes that will do this to their own citizens are dangerous. They are very dangerous, and this type of control and you know taking it to the next level with ai and facial recognition and blood samples and everything this is the type of stuff that uh is going to get worse you don't just you know do one ethnic cleansing of the uyghurs and then oh it's all done we're good we're that, that's all that's happening no these type of things build build and build and, and they get worse over time um i did want to highlight a few things from the article that stuck out for me uh let's see so one thing that i i think we need to to keep in mind is so the article says an algorithm assigned people a color code green yellow or red that determined their ability to take transit or inner buildings in china's mega cities and a sophisticated digital system of social control Codes like these could be used to score a person's perceived political pliancy as well. Um, that's frightening. That is absolutely frightening. You know, I was recently rereading 1984, and, you know, the. <laughs> it, it's just that book was so prophetic. You know, it really was, and it really was before its time. I mean, they're literally calling these uh, people that they're putting into Uyghurs. So here, I'll read this. They said, the Chinese government has moved thousands of hands, Chinese, quote, big brothers and sisters. I mean, they're literally, it's the same thing. Big brother, big sister. They're moving them into their homes in Jijing's ancient Silk Road cities to monitor Uyghurs' forced assimilation to mainstream Chinese culture. So... You, you know, and, and another thing that we need to come to terms with is as Westerners, we are fed the diversity um, theme over and over again. And there's nothing wrong with diversity in and of itself. But we have to realize and, and be honest that the Chinese Communist Party is not only Chinese Marxist they're not only Marxist communists, they are, it's an ethnic Chinese thing. You know, the, the, the government does not want any, anybody besides people who are speaking Mandarin, who are ethnically Chinese, who are, um, going to, they don't want diversity, right? I mean, the Uyghurs, I, I don't know how long they've been there, but they've been there a long time. And they have been a part of China for a long time. And Xi Jinping has decided that that's no longer serving the purpose of, of China. And they're getting rid of them. And if they're getting rid of them, they're going to get rid of other people. So it does go on to say in this article, they eat meals with the family and some, quote, big brothers, unquote, sleep in the same bed as the wives detained Uyghur men. So, I mean, you can see how putting, you know, taking some some ethnically Chinese guy, putting him in their household and having him sleep with the wife, maybe impregnate her, maybe, 
I mean, they're they're they are doing ethnic cleansing on a level that that hasn't been seen in a long, long time, and um, it's frightening. It's it's definitely very dangerous. Um, they have the health checks where they're they're taking blood samples, they're recording voices, they're recording, they're getting their DNA. I mean, this um, this is a test run. And if the international community doesn't stand up and say, um, you've crossed many lines, we don't care if it's uh, your territory, we don't care if this is something that you're just doing to Chinese people, it has to stop. And if it doesn't stop, we're cutting off trade, we're cutting off relations, we're cutting off, um, you know, the opportunities we've given you in the international economy, then it's only going to get worse. And the same people in America or West who, you know, say they respect liberalism and, and freedom and, and all of these things will literally be paying for um, the enslavement of others and their eventual enslavement as well. Let's see, it continues. Uyghur women are also made to endure pregnancy checks. Some are forced to have abortions or get an IUD, IUD inserted. Others are sterilized by the state. Police are known to rip unauthorized children away from their parents. The police, I'm going to read that again. Police are known to rip unauthorized children away from their parents who are detained. Such measures have reduced the birth rate in some regions of Xinjiang more than 60% in three years. So they're moving Han's Chinese people in, traditional Chinese people. They are getting, they've put a million of them into concentration camps. A million. One million. They're taking their children. They're sterilizing them. They're forcing IUDs inside of them. And they've, review, they've reduced the birth rate in some regions by up to 60%. I'm I I am getting a little emotional and a little sensitive about this because you know I, every country has their domestic politics. Um, there are wars, there are things going on all over the world, but China is becoming one of, if not the world leader, you know, in manufacturing and and trade, and their economy is growing. Obviously, their population is huge, and we're seeing as they're gaining power how they're using it and they're using it to oppress minorities in a way that um you know westerners really can't conceive or imagine yeah i mean i guess you know germany and and, and that type of thing but that was quite a while ago um i i don't think americans can can really uh understand what's going on in, in china fully and and you know this is a whole nother topic, but the fact that so many commercial, well, here's an example. So the other day, Mark Zuckerberg, Tim Cook, Sindar Pichai, and uh, who was the other one? Jeff Bezos were all asked in Congress under oath, uh, do you know of China stealing IP theft? You know, do you know of them stealing IP? This is an obvious thing they do. Uh, they're doing it all around the world. They're doing it, especially in Silicon Valley. And this is not some type of secret. And Jeff Bezos, Sindar Pichai, and Tim Cook 
all skirted the question. They said, well, uh, I don't know if that's happening. I haven't personally seen it. You know, they basically kowtowed. You know, they walked the line. They were not going to um, disrespect the Chinese government. Mark Zuckerberg, on the other hand, said, yes, of course, this is commonly known. Uh, this is well known. Of course they are. Now, Facebook and Instagram are not allowed. Or WhatsApp, they, none of these apps are allowed in China. So maybe Mark Zuckerberg isn't, um, doesn't have the same constraints put on him. But I would argue that, you know, Tim Cook, I know a lot of phones are sold in China. I know they make a lot of phones in China, but there are bigger problems than how many phones uh, the Apple can sell in China. And the fact that uh, these billionaires with uh, these giant companies that are some of the most innovative companies in the world um, are afraid to tell the truth about China uh, shows you really who's in control, right? I mean, there's an old saying, I can't remember exactly how it goes, but something along the lines of, um, I'll tell you who your masters are based on who you can't criticize. And we're at a tipping point, I think, um, culturally and just internationally where the battle lines are being drawn and we need public policy and business leaders and voices who are going to stand up for people being put in concentration camps that's the bottom line and uh that's just not what's happening and the the apparatus that uh this government is creating right now is chilling and if you think that well it's just in china it doesn't affect me you're wrong you're 100 percent wrong because stuff like this does spread the technology spreads the power of the chinese government is spreading you know obviously they just moved into hong kong and started taking more power uh in that area and that will continue they you know taiwan is very close they've been making very big strides all over the place really so to wrap it up i just want to give uh, credit to Ross Anderson, The Atlantic, for a wonderful, for, wonderful art, article. Uh, the Panopticon is already here. Uh, we will read part two soon. That'll be out soon. But I hope you enjoyed this. Please like, comment, spread the news. I, I do think that uh, the China Chinese Communist Party issue is going to be the defining geopolitical issue uh, for the next, you know, 50 to 100 years, maybe longer, you know, who knows what's going to happen, but it is going to be a, a major issue that we all need to think about and be fully aware of the threat. For China Audible, Hidden Americans, I'm out. Thanks.